the bondage breaker, helping others. God has provided all the spiritual protection we need. But when it comes to spiritual attacks, we have to assume our responsibility or suffer the consequences. We are told to put on the armor of God, stand firm, and resist. What will happen if we don't? We are told to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Romans thirteen fourteen. What if we do make provision for the flesh? We are told to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. What if we don't? It is our responsibility to not allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies by using our bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. Romans 6, 12. Through 13 what if we do what are we told we're told to submit to God and resist the devil James 4 7 what if we don't can we assume a spiritually neutral position without any negative consequences to believe that Satan won't take advantage of our indecision or indiscretion is spiritually wrong and it creates a false hope for us. For by what a man is overcome by this he is enslaved. Second Peter two nineteen. To illustrate how enslaved one can become, read the following testimony I received after a resolving personal and spiritual conflict. Dear Daniel I have been set free. Praise the Lord. Yesterday, for the first time in years, the voices stopped. I could hear the silence. When we sang, I could hear myself sing. For the first 14 years of my life, I lived with an oppressive, abusive mother who never said, I love you, or put her arms around me when I cried. I received no affection, no kind words no affirmation, no sense of who I was, only physical and emotional abuse. At 15, I was subjected to three th- weeks of Erhard seminar, seminar training, EST, which really screwed up my mind. The year that followed was pure hell. My mother threw me out, so I went to live with another family. Eventually, they also threw me out. Three years later, I found Christ. My decision to trust Christ was largely based on my fear of Satan and the power of evil I had experienced in my life. Even though I knew Satan had lost his ownership of me, I was unaware of how vulnerable I still was to his deception and control. For the first two years of my Christian life, I was in bondage to a sin. I didn't even know it was a sin. Once I realized my sin, confessed it to God, and received forgiveness, I thought I was finally free of Satan's attempts to control me. I didn't realize that the battle had only begun. I suffered from unexplainable rashes, hives, and welts all over my body. 
I lost my joy and closeness to the Lord. I could no longer sing or quote scripture. I turned to food as my comfort and security. The demons attacked my sense of right and wrong. I became involved in immorality in my search for identity and love. But all ended yesterday when I renounced Satan's control in my life. I have found the freedom of protection that comes from knowing I am loved. I am not on a high. I am reigning with a clear mind, a clear spirit, and a calm hand. Even my previous bondage to food suddenly seems foreign to me. I never realized that a Christian could be so vulnerable to Satan's control. I was deceived, but now I am free. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Her testimony is a sobering example of a dimension of spiritual vulnerability that most Christians don't talk about, losing control. Yet every recovery ministry works with people who have lost control of their lives to food, sex, drugs, alcohol, and gambling. When we lose control, life becomes unmanageable. Christians generally agree that we are vulnerable to the enemy, but they hesitate to consider what would happen if we were to willing, willfully surrender to demonic influences. Kingdoms in Conflict If a believer believes the devil's accusations, gives in to his temptations, and believes his lies, does that mean he or she is demon-possessed? No, but that person is likely defeated, stagnant in terms of spiritual growth, and enslaved to sin. The term demon-possessed in Matthew 4.24, 9.32, 15.22, and Mark 5.15 is translated from one Greek word, daimonizomai, verb. It would have been more helpful if translators had translated the word as demonized, meaning to be under the influence of one or more demons. The term never occurs in the epistles, so we have no way of knowing precisely how it would apply to the church age. The problem with the word is possession which doesn't occur in the original Greek text. Possession often implies ownership in that sense. Christians are Holy Spirit possessed. We have been bought and purchased by the blood of the Lamb. We belong to God. We are temples of God indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who will never leave us nor forsake us. The translators were probably thinking of another aspect of possession such as whatever possessed you to do that. In other words, what have has overcome or influenced you to do that? A related Greek phrase that appears in the Gospels is echein daimonion, which means to have a demon. The Jewish religious leaders used to phrase when they accused both John the Baptist and Jesus of having a demon, Luke 7.33 and John 7.20.
They wrongly assumed that a demon was giving them spiritual, supernatural knowledge and power, which enabled them to know what the religious leaders were thinking and to work miracles. Given the fact that as believers, our bodies are temples belonging to God, can an evil spirit coexist with the Holy Spirit in us? Satan is the God of this world, and the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Our co-existing and in conflict all around us, spatial arguments don't apply to the spiritual realm. There are no natural barriers or physical boundaries for spirits, including our skin. The sole purpose of armor is to stop penetration. If a person is paying attention to a deceiving spirit, the influence is not limited to the external part of his life. Every testimony in this book was written by professing Christians who were struggling to win the battle of their minds. You are serving the enemy when you give fellow believers a false hope of immunity. Give them real hope by telling them that when they repent and believe the truth, they will be alive and free in Christ. A struggling Christian is like a house filled to overflowing with garbage that hasn't been taken out in months. That is going to attract a lot of flies. The knee jerk response is to get rid of those pesky little creatures but the right answer is to get rid of the garbage repentance and faith in god has been and always will be the right answer throughout this church age i am aware that some deliverance ministries study the flight patterns of the flies call up the demons ask them their names and rank them and cast them out that was what i heard from others so that was what i tried to do at first but it doesn't make sense to gather information from demons we should never believe deceiving spirits the moment we dialogue with them the person we are trying to help is being totally bypassed the person won't recall anything that happened during the session and no human agent can take another human's garbage out if i managed to expel a demon it would likely go seven find seven others and tell them where the garbage is there are no instructions in the epistles for that mythology and i believe paul taught a different approach to deliver deliverer in christ and he has already come we should be getting our information from the holy spirit who will guide us into all truth, and that is the truth that will set us free. That perspective is taught in Second Timothy 2, 24 through 26. The Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach patience with wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. And perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. The first prerequisite is to be the Lord's bond servant. 
We need to be totally dependent upon God because He is the only one who can set a captive free and heal the wounds of the brokenhearted. What sets Christian ministry apart from secular work is the presence of God. And as it evident in the passage we just read, we have to understand what God's role is and what our role is. I believe there is a precise line between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. The line will appear a little blurred to us and the Calvinists and the Armenians will adjust the line to the left or to the right. However, both theological perspectives acknowledge that scriptures teaches God's sovereignty and human responsibility. On the left side of the line is what God and the only God can do. We can be creative, but we can't speak and bring something into existence out of nothing. We can't even save ourselves or others. God created the universe and he accomplishes his purposes by working through his created order. The provident the providence of God refers to his direction and care over all creation. God upholds all things by the power and by the word. Hebrews 1 3. He is the ultimate reality and he is and would all creation. We fulfill our purpose when we live in harmony with him. We do that by knowing him and his ways and loving accordingly by faith. God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Everything on the right side of the line depicts human responsibility. We are either ignorant or irresponsible when we ask God to do for us what he told us to do. If you have a Bible quiz tomorrow, you can't ask God to study for it on your behalf. You have to do that yourself in order to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Second Timothy 2.15 Don't ask God to think for you because he told you to think so as to have sound judgment. Romans 12.3 We have to assume responsibility for our own attitudes and actions. Suppose there is a problem. A person in the near church and some well-meaning Christians ask God to remove him from your fellowship and nothing happens. Why not? God, don't you love your church? Of course he loves his church, but he told us to go to such a person in private for the purpose of restoration. And if he doesn't repent, then we are to bring to more witnesses to confront the person. Matthew eighteen fifteen through 20. The person should be removed from fellowship if there is no repentance. Will God bail us out if we don't carry out our responsibility? I have not seen that happen. Suppose a person is frightened by some spiritual manifestation in their room and cries out, God, do something, and nothing happens. So the person hides under the covers and wonders, why not? God, you are all-powerful. Why won't you help me? Don't you love me? Maybe I'm not a Christian, and that is why. God hasn't answered. That is the mental and emotional state of most people I have worked with. They question God's presence, question his love for them, 
and questioned their salvation. Why didn't God do something? He did. He disarmed the devil for gave your sins, made us new creations in Christ and positioned us with Christ in the heavenlies at the Father's right hand, whose responsibility is to submit to God and resist the devil, whose responsibility is it to put on the armor of God, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, stand firm in the faith, and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. Can we assume that there will be no negative consequences if we don't carry out our responsibility? Will God bail us out if we don't? I have not seen that happen. Dear Father God, thank you for sending Yeshua to die on the cross for my sins. I acknowledge that I have sinned and that I cannot save myself. I believe that Jesus, the Yeshua, came to give me life and by faith I now choose to receive you as my Lord, Adonai, and Savior. May the power of your indwelling presence enable me to be the person you created me to be. I pray that you would grant my repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth so that I can experience my freedom in Yeshua in Christ Jesus and be transformed by the renewing of my mind in Yeshua's precious name I pray and plead the blood of Yeshua Jesus Christ amen who is responsible for what when I am asked to help another individual I do so with the awareness that God is always present and there is a role that God and only God can play in the other person's life. On the right side of the line in the above diagram there is another role relationships that exist and that is between the encourager and the inquirer or the discipler and the disciple. Imagine a triangle with God at the top and the triangle has God, the encourager and the inquirer each side of the triangle represents a relationship. The most important one is my own relationship with God. I need to make sure that the barriers to an intimate relationship with God have been removed. Through my own repentance from sin and belief in Him, it is also very important how I relate to the inquirer, secular counselor's focus all their attention on that relationship because their own relationship with God and their clients relationship with God are never even considered most counselors are taught to be a rescuer or an enabler or a codependent they are also taught how to show empathy and be genuine but they have left God out of the picture the third side of the triangle is the relationship that the inquirer has or doesn't have with God. Our goal is to help the inquirer have an intimate personal relationship with their Heavenly Father through genuine repentance and faith in Him. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5.18. The whole world is in the kingdom of darkness because of the fall and God's plan are as follows to destroy the works of the devil 1 John 3 8 
and to present every believer complete in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.28 With the triangle in mind, ask yourself who is responsible for what. A lot of problems in our homes, marriages, and ministries would disappear if we had a balanced answer to that question. Have you ever tried to play the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of your spouse, your staff, and inquirer? How did that work for you? There is a sovereign role that God and only God can play in the life of another. And we will follow up the process if we assert his role. Have you ever tried to assume other people's responsibilities? They won't think of making decisions for themselves, so you do their thinking and deciding for them. Doing that makes them dependent upon you instead of God. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1.15 The big question is this. Do we really, really believe that repentance and faith in God are the means by which we resolve personal and spiritual conflicts? The answer is no. If we usurp each other's role and fail to include God in the process. The answer is yes. If we acknowledge God's role and assume responsibility for our when I have the opportunity to help another, I do so with the re- realization that there are three parties present, God, myself, and the inquirer. The first thing I do is make sure that I am in a right relationship with God. Then I pray, Lord, I come before your presence with thanksgiving. I declare my dependence upon you because I believe that apart from Christ, I cannot not accomplish nothing. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and guide me into all truths. In addition, I strive to make sure I am always kind, gentle, and patient. To help inquirers assume their responsibility and to ensure lasting results, I ask him to read either this book or Victory Over the Darkness. There won't be much success if they are not willing to assume responsibility for their own freedom and growth. That responsibility also enables them to maintain their freedom afterward. However, some people are in such serious bondage that they can't read the book or the Bible. In such cases, I lead them through the steps and set aside enough time to instruct them about who they are in Christ, the nature of the battle for their mind, and how can they continue on in their growth in Christ. After hearing an inquiry story, I always ask if he or she could or would like to resolve their issues. No one ever said no. When I say, with your permission, I will lead you through the steps into freedom in Christ. What is going to happen here today is not based on what I do, but what you do. I need one major cooperation from you. If you have any thoughts contrary to what we are trying to do, share them with me. These thoughts could be condemning, threatening, intimidating, vulgar, or blasphemous. They are just thoughts and they have no control over you unless you believe them. 
the best way to maintain control is to expose them to the light. You may not sense any spiritual opposition, but I want you to be prepared in case we experience some interference with what we are doing. It is important to pay attention to the inquirer if you see her eyes starting to cloud over, look around the room, get her attention immediately. Even in the most difficult cases, you don't have to lose control. Some people have been conditioned to have a thought and then carry it out. It may seem to them that they have no control, but in reality they do. Some have some some of them never even considered the possibility that they didn't have to obey the thought. I tell them, if a thought comes to your mind telling you to do something, don't do it. Just share it. The power is broken the moment the thought is brought into the light. Whatever they share, I say, thank you for sharing that. Then I continue onward with the steps. In extreme cases, some inquiries could go catonic. If that happens, say out loud, Satan, you have no authority here. You cannot happen. Um, you can open your eyes now, and the inquirer will. Some are so uncertain about their ability to exert their will that I have taken them from a wall just to show them that they have a will and can exercise it. Others will feel nauseous, and when they share it, that, I say thank you for sharing that. The nauseous feeling will be gone when we are done. That was and has been true in every case I've handled in Romania. I was asked by a missionary to help a man addicted to pornography. I was working through an interpreter, which always makes the process more difficult. When we started going through the steps, the man's eyes rolled upward and he started making a strange noise with his lips. The oppression in the room was heavy. I let the man go on for half a minute or so, then you then said, You don't have to do that, but if you can't but you can if you want to and he stopped. A pastor asked if I could help him with a lady who had been using drugs for twenty years. I listened as she shared her story and it appeared that her legs were cramping because she kept massaging them. One could easily be fooled into thinking that the symptoms of withdrawals from drugs. As soon as we started, she said, I have to get out of here, and she left. The pastor asked, now what? I said, she's probably right outside the door. Go ask her if she can, wants to come back. She did, and I reminded her that she was supposed to share with us any thoughts that arose in her mind. When we finished steps, the voices were gone and the cramping stopped. Now, it is very important to understand that going through the steps is just the beginning and not the end. This woman was 40 years old but had the maturity of a teenager. When people turn to medication to ease their pain, stress, anxiety, and fears, their emotional development is often stimulated. So if you want to help others experience their freedom in Christ, you can learn how through my book, Discipleship Counseling, Bethany House Publisher. I am often asked if people still need counseling after they go through the steps to freedom in Christ. That question probably wouldn't have been asked 50 years ago. Back then, do they need to be discipled? Would 
have been the more logical question. But over the last few decades, the massive growth of professional counseling has almost replaced the ministry of discipleship. Many Christians today and Christian educational institutions view discipleship and counseling as two different entities, but I believe they are the same ministry. A good Christian discipler is a good counselor and vice versa. I also have written two books that help marriage partners and ministries resolve personal and spiritual conflicts through genuine repentance and faith in God. If your church is full of people in bondage to sin or there are many bad marriages, you have a church bondage situation. The whole can't be greater than the sum of its parts. Trying to help a marriage work when both parties have unresolved conflicts is like trying to help two people on crutches learn how to dance. Even if both spouses have resolved their own problems, they will still have couples related issues they need to work through and explain how to do that in setting your marriage free. Bethany House Publisher, I have had the privilege of leading the top faculty and administrators in a seminary, the executive of two well-known global ministries and many churches through the steps to setting your ministry free. Every Christian organization has corporate conflicts that can be resolved through repentance, which I explain in setting your church free. Bethany House Publisher, in all cases, I am not the wonderful counselor or the church consultant. Jesus is. All seven letters to the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 end with the same statement. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. The question is, are we listening? I close with this encouraging letter from an interim pastor. I purchased a set of Neil CDs on resolving personal and spiritual conflicts. After listening to them, I began applying his principles to my problems. I realized that some of the problems could be spiritual attacks and I learned how to stand and I won victories over some of my problems in my life, but that was only a tip of the iceberg. I'm a deacon and preacher in a Baptist church. My pastor was suffering from depression and other problems that I was not aware of, and he committed suicide. This literally brought our church to its knees. I knew of some of the problems of the previous pastors and felt the issues were spiritual in nature but I didn't know how to relay that to the people because supposedly the devil or a demon cannot affect a Christian right the church elected me as their interim pastor while in a local bookstore I saw your book setting your church free I purchased and read it I felt that with the spiritual suppression taking place in our church this was the answer there was only one problem how to get others in the church to see this as well after a few weeks of preaching on spiritual issues i knew we had to follow the instructions in your book setting your church free the previous pastor who had killed himself would not have believed your material he would never have read or listened to your message slowly very slowly the people listened to 
my message and I was able to contact one of your staff. He flew to the Houston, Texas and led the leaders of our church through the steps to setting your church free. The leaders loved it. They loved it. I felt step one was now behind us. Next, I wanted to take all the people through the steps to freedom in Christ. Six weeks later, I was able to do so. I don't understand exactly what all happened, but we were set free from the spiritual bondage of multiple problems. I can't put it all into a letter or I would write a book. During all of this, one of our middle-aged members who was an evangelist was set free. He learned who he was in Christ and is now back in ministry. Praise the Lord, I saw the daughters of the deceased pastor set free and able to forgive their father and they were able to move on with their lives. At one point, one of the daughters was contemplating suicide. This is a new church. God is free to work here. In September, we founded our pulpit committee. Our church voted 100% for our new pastor. This has never happened in our church before and this is an independent and fundamental Baptist church. Well, when you do things God's way, you get God's results. I also work one night a week in our county jail, which is the second largest in the county in the country. I work with the homosexual men and I have seen many set free. Assurance of Salvation. Paul wrote, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9 Do you believe that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead? Did you invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Then you are a child of God, and nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Romans 8.35-39 The testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. 1 John 5, 11-12 Your Heavenly Father has sent His Holy Spirit to bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Romans eight sixteen. You were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1, 13 The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truths. John sixteen thirteen resolving personal and spiritual conflicts. Because we are all born dead spiritually in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 1, we had neither the presence of God in our lives nor the knowledge of his ways. Consequently, we all learn to live independently of God. When we become new creations in Christ, our minds were not instantly renewed. That is why Paul wrote, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve that God's will is his good, blessing, pleasing and perfect will. Romans 12.2 That is why new Christians struggle with many of the same old thoughts and habits. Their minds have long been programmed to live independently independently of God and that is the chief characteristic of our flesh. As new creations in Christ, we now have the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth 
to experience your freedom in Christ and grow in the grace of God requires repentance, which literally means a change of mind. God will enable that process as you submit to him and resist the devil. James 4, 7, the steps to freedom in Christ are designed to help you to do that. Submitting to God is a critical issue. He is the wonderful counselor and the one who grants repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, the steps cover seven critical issues that affect your relationship with God. You will not experience your freedom in Christ if you seek false guidance, believe lies, fail to forgive others as you have been forgiven, live in rebellion, respond in pride, fail to acknowledge your sin, and continue to the sin of your ancestors. He who conceals his transgressors, transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes, renounces them, will find passion compassion proverbs twenty eight thirteen. therefore since we have this ministry as we receive mercy we do not lose heart but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame not walking in craftiness or adultery the word of god but by the manifestation of truth second corinthians 4 1 through 2 even though satan is defeated he still rules the world through a hierarchy of demons who tempt, accuse, and deceive those who fail to put on the whole armor of God, stand firm in their faith, and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Our sanctuary is our identity and position in Christ, and we have all the protection we need to live and live a victorious life. But if we fail to assume our responsibility and give grout ground to satan we will suffer the consequences of our sinful attitudes and actions the good news is that we can repent and reclaim all that we have in christ and that is what the steps will enable you to do processing the steps the way to go through the steps is to process them with a trained encourager the book discipleship counseling explains the theology and process However, you can also go through the steps on your own. Every step is explained so you will have no trouble doing that. If you are part of a group study, the leader will introduce each step after the discussion questions and ask you to pray the beginning prayer out loud. The rest you will process on your own. If you experience some mental interference, just ignore it and continue on. Thoughts such as, this isn't going to work or I don't believe this or blasphemous, condemning and accusing thoughts have no power over you unless you believe them. They are just thoughts and it doesn't make any difference whether they originate from yourself, an external source or from Satan and his demons. Such thoughts have no power over you unless you believe them. They will be resolved when you have fully repented the mind is the control center of your life and you will not lose control if you don't lose control of your mind the best way to do that if you are being mentally harassed is to share it exposing the lies to the light breaks the power the apostle paul wrote that satan disguises himself 
as an angel of light, Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. It is not uncommon for some people to have thoughts or hear voices that claim to be friendly, offer companionship, or say they are from heaven and from God. They may even say that Jesus is Lord, but they cannot say that Jesus is their Lord. If there is any doubt about their origin, verbally ask God to show you the true nature of such spirit guides. You don't want any spirit other than the Holy Spirit to guide you. Remember, you are a child of God and seated with Christ in the heavenlies, the spiritual realm. That means you have the authority and power to do His will. The steps don't set you free. Yeshua sets you free. And you will progressively experience that freedom as you respond to Him. To Him in faith and repentance. Don't worry about any demonic interference. Most people do not experience any. It doesn't make any difference whether Satan has a little role or a bigger role. The critical issue is your relationship with God and that it is what you are to focus on. This is a ministry of reconciliation. Once any issues are resolved, Satan has no right to remain. Successfully completing this repentance process is not an end. It is the beginning of growth. Unless any sin issues are resolved, however, the growth process will be stalled and your Christian life will remain stagnant. Breaking Mental Strongholds On a separate piece of paper, write down any false beliefs and lies that surface as you go through the steps, especially those that are not true about yourself and God. When you are finished, verbally say the following for each exposed falsehood. I renounce the lie that what you have believed and I announce the truth that what you are now choosing to believe is true based on God's word. It may be best to have the encourager keep this list for you if you are being led by another through the steps. It is strongly recommended that you repeat the process of renouncing lies and choosing truth for 40 days because we are transformed by the ongoing renewal of our minds, Romans 12, 2, and it is very easy to defer back to old flesh patterns when tempted. Preparation. Processing these steps will play a major role in your journey or becoming more and more like Jesus so that you can be a fruitful disciple. The purpose is to become firmly rooted in Christ. It doesn't take long to establish your identity and freedom in Christ, but there is no such thing as instant maturity. Renewing your mind and conforming to the image of God is a life process. May God grace you with his presence as you seek to do his will. Once you have experienced your freedom in Christ, you can then help others experience the joy in their salvation. You are now ready to begin the steps by saying prayer and declaration. The declaration below. Prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you are present in this room. And in my life, you alone are all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere present. And I worship you alone. I declare my dependency upon you for 
Apart from you, I can do nothing. I choose to believe your word, which teaches that all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to the resurrected Christ. That Yeshua, being alive in Christ Jesus, I have the authority to resist the devil. As I submit to you, I ask that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit, Racha Kodesh, and guide me into all truth. I ask for your complete protection and guidance as I seek to know you and do your will in the wonderful precious name of Jesus Yeshua I pray amen the declaration in the name of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ I command Satan and all evil spirits to release their hold on me in order that I can be free to know and choose to do the will of God as a child of God who is seated with Christ in the heavenly places I declare that every enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ that is in my presence be bound God has not given me a spirit of fear therefore I reject any and all condemning accusing blasphemous and deceiving spirits of fear satan and his demons cannot inflict any pain or in any way prevent god's will from doing and being done in my life today because i belong to the lord jesus christ i plead the blood of jesus christ the yeshua the messiah hamashiach over this prayer in jesus name i pray amen Step 1. Counterfeit versus Real The first step towards experiencing your freedom in Christ is to renounce, verbally reject all involvement, past or present, with occultic, cultic, or false religious teaching or practices, participation in any group that denies that Jesus Christ is Lord and elevates any teaching or book to the level of or above the Bible must be renounced. In addition, groups that require dark and secret initiation, ceremonies, vows, pacts, and covenant needs to be renounced. God does not take false guidance lightly. As for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists, I will also set my face against the person and I will cut him off from among his people. Leviticus 26. Ask God to guide you as follows. Dear Heavenly Father, please bring to my mind anything and everything that I have done knowingly or unknowingly that involves occultic, cultic, or false religious teachings and practices. Grant me to the wisdom and grace to renounce any and all spiritual counterfeits, false religious teachings and practices. In Jesus' name, I plead the blood of Jesus, Yeshua, I pray. Amen. The Lord may bring events to your mind that you have forgotten, even experiences you participated in as a game or as a part of a joke. The purpose is to renounce all the counterfeit spiritual experiences and beliefs that God brings to your mind. Begin this step by processing the following 10 questions. Do you now have or have you ever had an imaginary friend? spirit guide or angel offering you guidance or companionship if it has a name renounce it by the name i renounce and the name of this spirit guide
too. Have you ever seen or been contacted by beings you thought were aliens from another world? Such deception should be identified and renounced. With the I renounce and the contact and person or things of another world. And three, have you ever heard voices in your head and had repeating nagging thoughts such as I'm dumb, I'm ugly, nobody loves me, I cannot do anything right as if there were a conversation going on inside your head? If so, renounce all deceiving spirits and the lies that you have believed and renounce it in Yeshua's name, plead the blood of Yeshua. Four, have you ever been hypnotized, attended a new age seminar, consulted a psychic medium channeler or spiritist, renounced all the specific false prophecies and guidance they offered and say, I renounce this, I renounce these mediums, these psychics, these spiritists, these hypnotists, renounce and plead the blood of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. Five, have you ever made a secret covenant or vow to any organization or person other than God or made an inner vow contrary to scripture, such as, I will never blank, renounce all such vows and renounce it in Jesus' name, amen. Six, have you ever been involved in a satanic ritual or attended a concert in which Satan was the focus? Renounce Satan and all his works and ways, and I renounce. You say, I say, I renounce satanic focuses in any shape or form around this world and plead the blood of Yeshua over these people, over this nation, over the world. Seven, have you ever made any sacrifices to idols, false gods, or? Spiritists renounce each one. Say, I renounce any sacrifices made to idols or false gods. Lord, I renounce in any other religion, Buddhist, Hinduism, um, in those forms, I renounce them. And I plead the blood of Yeshua over this prayer. Amen. 8. Have you ever attended a counterfeit religious event or entered a non-Christian shrine that required you to participate in their religious observance such as washing your hands and removing your shoes? Confess your participation and renounce your involvement in false worship. I confess and renounce. Confess and renounce in Jesus' name. Nine, have you ever consulted a shaman or witch doctor for the purpose of manipulating the spiritual world to place curses or seek physical, psychic healing or guidance? All such activity needs to be renounced. Renounce it in Jesus' name. Ten, have you ever tried to contact the dead in order to send or receive messages? Renounce such practices renounce it i renounce it in jesus name continue the step using the following non-christian spiritual experience inventory guides then pray the prayer following the checklist to renounce each activity or group 
the Lord brings to mind, you may reveal to you counterfeit spiritual experiences that are not on the list, but especially aware of your need to renounce non-Christian religious practices that is not of God, that were part of your culture growing up. Prayfully renounce them out loud if you are working through these steps on your own. These are the lists, the lists and the steps to freedom in Christ and non-Christian spiritual experiences inventory. And we're speaking it out loud and renouncing these and pleading the blood of Yeshua, the Hamashiach, Jesus Christ. Plead the blood of the Lamb of God, Hashem. This checklist is renounced in Jesus name out of body experiences Ouija boards, Bloody Mary Charlie Charlie occult games such as light as a feather magic 8 ball, table or body lifting, spells and curses mental telepathy or mind control, tarot cards automatic writings astrology, horoscopes, palm reading fortune telling Divination, blood packs, sexual spirits, senesis, and circles, Wicca, black and white magic, the gathering, paganism, Reiki, channeling chakras, reincarnation, previous life healing, mediums and channelers, Mormonism, Freemasonry, Christian science, church and Scientology, nature, worship, Mother Earth, Unitarianism or Universalism, Hinduism, Transcendental Meditation, Silver Mind Control, Buddhism, including Zen, Islam, Transit, Spirit Guides, Clairvoyance, Rod and Pendulum, Dowsing, Hypnosis, Satanism, Witchcraft, Sorcery, Baha'ism, Spiritism, Animism, Folk Religious, Ancestor Worship, Jehovah Witnesses. And once you finish reviewing this, confess and renounce every false religious practice, belief, ceremony, vow, or pact that you were involved in by praying the following prayer out loud and take your time and be thorough. Give God time to remind you of every specific incident, ritual, etc. as needed. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have participated in these areas and say specifically which ones and I renounce them all as counterfeits. I pray that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, so that I may be guided by you. Thank you that in Christ I am forgiven. Amen. Step 2. Deception versus Truth. The Christian life is lived. Lived by faith according to what God says is true. Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the truth. And Spirit of Truth. God's Word is truth. And we are to speak the truth in love. See John 14, 6 and 16, 13 and 17, 17. Ephesians 4, 15, the biblical response to truth is faith, regardless of 
whether we feel it is true or not. Christians are to forsake all lying, deceiving, stretching the truth, and anything else associated with falsehood, believing lies. What keep us in bondage, choosing to believe the truth, is what sets us free. John eight thirty two. David wrote, How blessed, happy is the man in whose spirit there is no deceit. Psalm 32, 2. The liberated Christian is free to walk in the light and speak the truth in love. We can be honest and transparent before God because we are already forgiven and God already knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Hebrews 4, 12-13. So why not be honest and confess our sins? Confession means to agree with God. People in bondage eventually get tired of living a lie. Because of God's great love and forgiveness, we can walk in the light and fellowship with God and others. See First John seven, one, seven through nine begins this commitment to truth by praying the following prayer out loud. Don't let any opposing thoughts such as this is a waste of time, or I wish I could believe this, but I can't keep you from pressing forward. God will strengthen you as you rely on him. Dear Heavenly Father, you are the truth. And I desire, Father God, to live by faith according to your truth. The truth will set me free. But in many ways, I have been deceived by the father of lies, the philosophies of all this fallen world. And even by myself, I choose to walk in the light, knowing that you love and accept me just as I am. As I consider areas of possible deception, I invite the spirit of truth to guide me into all truth. Please protect me from all deception as you search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me into this everlasting way. Psalm 139. 23 through 24. In the name of Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And prayfully consider the list in the three exercises over the next few pages using the prayers at the end of each exercise in order to confess any ways you have given into deception or wrongly defended yourself it's not possible to instantly renew your mind but the process of renewal will never get started unless you acknowledge you mental strongholds or defense mechanisms also known as flesh patterns ways you can be deceived by the world this is a checklist form okay so believing that having an abundance of money and possession will make you happy. Matthew thirteen twenty two and first Timothy six six ten. Believing that eating food, drinking alcohol or using drugs can relieve my stress and make me happy. Proverbs twenty three nineteen twenty one. You can renounce all of this in Jesus' name. Believing that an attractive body, personality, or image will meet my needs for acceptance and significance. Proverbs 31.10 and 1 Peter 
three through four. Believing that gratifying sexual lust will bring lasting satisfaction without any negative consequences. Ephesians four twenty two and first Peter two eleven. Believing that I can sin and suffer no negative consequences. Hebrews three twelve through thirteen. Believing that I need more than Jesus to meet my needs of acceptance, security, and significance. Second Corinthians eleven two through four thirteen through fifteen. Believing that I can do whatever I want regardless of others, and I still be free. Proverbs sixteen eighteen and Obadiah three, First Peter five, verse five. Believing that people who refuse to receive Jesus will go to heaven anyway. First Corinthians six nine through eleven. Believing that I can associate with bad company and not become corrupted. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three through thirty four. Believing that I can read, see, or listen to anything I want and not be corrupted. Proverbs four twenty three through twenty seven and Matthew five twenty eight. Believing that there are no earthly consequences for my sin. Galatians six seven through eight. Believing that I must gain the approval of certain people in order to be happy. Galatians 1 verse 10 Believing that I must measure up to a certain religious standards in order to God for God to accept me Galatians 3 2 through 3 5 1 Believing that there are many paths to God and Jesus is only one of the many ways John 14 verse 6 Believing that I must live up to worldly standards in order to feel good about myself First Peter two one through twelve And we pray Dear Heavenly Father I confess that I have been deceived by everything on this list and and this is just in my life experiences but I I thank you for your forgiveness and I choose to believe your word and believe in Jesus, Yeshua, who is the truth, in your almighty name, I pray. Amen. Ways to deceive yourself. Hearing God's word but not doing what it says, James one twenty two. Saying, I have no sin, 1 John one eight. Thinking I am something or someone when I am not. Galatians 6.3, thinking I am wise in this worldly age. 1 Corinthians 3.18-19, thinking I can be truly religious, yet not control what I say. James 1.26, thinking that God is the source of my problems. Lamentations 3, thinking I can live successfully without anyone else's help. 1 Corinthians 12.14-20. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have deceived myself by and confess the items checked above and for me in all areas, everything on this list. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me. I commit myself to believing only your truth. I forgive myself and 
in Yeshua Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Ways to wrongfully defend yourself. Denial and reality, conscious or unconscious. Fantasy, escaping reality through daydreaming, TV, movies, music, computer or video games, drugs, and alcohol. Emotional insulation, withdrawing from people or keeping people at a distance to avoid rejection. Regression, reverting back to less threatening times. Displacing anger, taking out frustrations on innocent people. Projection, attributing to another what you find acceptable or unacceptable in yourself. Rationalization, making excuses for your poor behavior. Lying, protecting self through falsehoods. Hypocrisy, presenting a false image. This is our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have wrongfully defended myself by each and every one of these areas. Thank you for your forgiveness. I trust you to defend and protect me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Frequently, we'll respond to pain and rejection the wrong ways. And those ways over time become deeply ingrained in our lives you may need additional disciplining counseling to learn how to allow jesus to be your rock fortress deliverer and refuge see psalms 18 1 through 2 the more you learn how loving powerful and protective god is the more you'll be likely to trust him the more you realize how much god unconditionally loves and accepts accepts you the more you'll be released to be open honest and in a healthy way vulnerable before god and others the new age movement has twisted the concept of faith by teaching that we make something true by believing it that is false we cannot create reality reality with our minds only god can do that our responsibility is to face reality and choose to believe what God says is true. True biblical faith then is choosing to believe and act upon what is true because God has said it is true and he is the truth. The way is something you decide to do, not something you feel like doing. Believing something doesn't make it true. It's already true. Therefore, we choose to believe it. Truth is not conditioned by whether we choose to believe it or not. Everybody lives by faith. The only difference between Christian faith and non-Christian faith is the object. The object of our faith. If the object of our faith is not trustworthy or real, then no amount of believing will change that. That's why our faith must be grounded on the solid rock of God's perfect and God's perfect love, unchanging character and truth of his word. For 2,000 years, Christians have known the importance of verbally and publicly declaring truth. Read aloud the following statements of truth and carefully consider what you are professing. You may find it helpful to read the statements out loud every day for at least six weeks, which will increasingly allow your mind to be renewed by the truth. Statement of Truth Statements of Truth 1. 
I recognize that there is only one true and living God who exists as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is worth of all honor, praise, and glory. He is worthy as the one who made all things and holds all things together. See Exodus 22-3, Colossians 1-16-17. 2. I recognize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. I believe that he came to destroy the works of the devil and that he disarmed the rules and authorities and made a public display of them, having triumphed over them. See John 1, 1 and 1, 14. Colossians 2, 15. 1 John 3, 8. 3. I believe that God demonstrated his own love for me in that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. I believe that he was delivered and delivering me from the domain of darkness and transferred me to his kingdom. And in him I have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See Romans 5, 8, Colossians 1, 13 through 14. 4. I believe that I am now a child of God and that I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I believe that I was saved by the grace of God through faith and that it was a gift and not a result of any works on my part. Ephesians 2, 6, 8 through 9. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. 5. I choose to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I put no confidence in the faith, in the flesh. For the weapons of warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of strongholds. I put on the full armor of God. I resolve to stand firm in my faith and resist the evil one. See Second Corinthians 10.4 and Ephesians 6.10-20. Philippians 3.3. 6. I believe that apart from Christ I can do nothing, so I can declare my complete dependence on Him. I choose to abide in Christ in order to bear much fruit and glorify my Father. I announce to Satan that Jesus is my Lord. I reject any and all counterfeit gifts or works of Satan in my life. See John 15, 5-8 and 1 Corinthians 12-3. 7. I believe that the truth will set you free, and that Jesus is the truth. If he sets me free, I will be free indeed. I recognize that walking in the light is the only path of true fellowship with God and man. Therefore, I stand against all of Satan's deceptions by taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ. I declare that the Bible is the only authoritative standard for truth and life see john eight thirty two and thirty six fourteen through um, verse six second corinthians second corinthians ten five and second timothy three fifteen through seventeen and first john one three through seven eight I choose to present my body to God as a living and a holy sacrifice and the memory of my body as instruments of righteousness. 
I choose to renew my mind by the living word of God in order that I may prove that the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. I put off the old self, which is evil practices, and put on the new self. I declare myself to be a new creation in Christ. See Romans six thirteen and 12, 1 through 2. Second Corinthians five seventeen, Colossians three nine through ten. Nine, by faith I choose to be filled with the Spirit, so that I can be guided into all truth. I choose to walk by the Spirit, so that I will not carry out the des- the desires of the flesh. John sixteen through thirteen and Galatians five sixteen and Ephesians five eighteen. Ten, I renounce all selfish goals and choose to eliminate goal and have the ultimate goal of love i choose to obey the two greatest commandments to love the lord my god with all my heart soul mind and strength and to love my neighbors as myself see matthew 22 37 through 9 39 and first timothy 1 5 11 i believe that the lord jesus has all authority in heaven's and on earth and he is the head of overall the rule and authority i am complete in him i believe that satan and his demons are subject to me in christ jesus because i am a member of jesus christ's body therefore i obey the command to submit to god and resist the devil and i command satan in the name of jesus christ to leave my presence see matthew 28 through 18 28 18 and Ephesians 1 19 through 23 Colossians 2 10 and James 4 verse 7